Mac Power Users, Episode 199, Video Workflows with Wally Cherwinski. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie Floyd. Hey, David. How are you? Good. And we've got Wally Cherwinski with us. Welcome to the show, Wally. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. I was thinking that Wally and Wendy, because Wendy Cherwinski was a guest of our show a while back. Wendy's a great speaker and presentation writer and speech writer. Uh, But I thought this was our first husband and wife team. Then when I was driving home today, I got thinking, well, no, they're not, are they? Uh, We had Clayton and Natalie Morris before. Yeah. Well, and you know, I'm just one more husband and wife team of Mac power users. And I know, and I'm really disappointed because I thought we were going to get a plaque in the uh, Mac Power Users Hall of Fame or something like that. But no, that's already done, Wally. Okay, I because I'm looking at your Skype photo and it's kind of scary. I'm going to give you whatever you want. Done. I'll, I mean, I'll think of something. Wally's Wally, you kind of look like a bad hombre in this picture. Yeah. Hey, Katie, you know what? I got a box in the mail today. Okay. I uh, I bought an automatic for my car. I got a shipping notification today <laughs> that my automatic had shipped. So weak, so weak. Yes. And, uh, so yes, thank last... you, uh, thank you, my car user listeners, I, for doing I, that. Yeah, in our in our last show, Wally, uh, one of the listeners in our live show, one of the listeners wrote in and talked about buying this device. You know, you have that data port in your cars. Just about all cars have them anymore. Somebody made one that plugs in. And it's got a little Bluetooth radio in it and iPhone app. So you collect all this data on your car while you're driving around. It can help you find your car and get this. It's got if this, then that support. So I couldn't wow. help myself. I'm very excited about this. Well, I, we'll I remember they had it. one of those, not quite that kind of device, but one of those devices that plugged into that port um, in the swag bag a couple of years back at uh, Mac World. Yeah, they did. But this car is, MD. This, yeah. this is a whole new level. Because it's got the app and the if this, then that. So you can, like an if this, then that rule, when you arrive home, turn on your hue lights. Whoa. Think about that. Oh, that that is right up your alley, David. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I I think they got you, David. I mean, the Mac Power user listeners have now, I mean, granted, we've prompted a lot of purchases, but I think they've got you now with both the Sonus and the automatic. Yeah, They've got you figured out. It's not hard. I'm weak. Anyway. That's not the reason we're here today. Uh, Wally, uh, Wally and uh, Katie and I have been friends for years. Wally is at Macworld every year. He's a, a frequent speaker on video workflows. And Wally's the video guy. And, uh, and, and Wally, I've given you the title, the unofficial videographer of Macworld. But I, you might be the official videographer of Macworld. I'm not sure. Well, I don't think they've made it official yet. And um, you're, you're much I too kind. I made it official. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Blush, blush. You're too kind, Katie. But I'll tell you, um, the video I do uh, every year or just going to Macworld, it's to me, it's just a labor of love. Um, I find that when I go to Macworld every year, it's just a magical experience. And it's kind of special when you see so many good friends again and you meet new ones. So uh, originally, I, I would take my camera out onto the show floor and I tried to capture some of the energy and the excitement that people feel at Macworld. And I tried to do every year uh, a little highlight reel video. And this year, actually, I did three of them. And 
now I'm I'm just thrilled that people seem to enjoy them so much. Um, I know a lot of people write to me, and they tell me that they like them, and they see themselves or their friends in the videos, and that's they get really excited. So um, when I'm at MacWorld, I'm always awed by how talented and creative Mac users are. So um, in a small way, the videos I do at MacWorld are, are just something that I can kind of give back to the community uh, that I enjoy so much. The, the thing I really love is Wally uses pretty standard equipment. You don't show up with, you know, $10,000 cameras. No, I don't. And you... Pr- and you produce some really amazing work. And one of the things that you do are these multi-camera shoots and these things that I think a lot of our listeners who don't realize it could incorporate into their own home family videos, for instance. And and we're going to spend some time in this show talking about that. But but before we do that, let's talk a little bit about, you know, how did you get into this stuff to begin with? Yeah. Well, video has kind of been a, um, a long-time passion of mine. but. If you just let me let me turn the clock back a bit, and um, I'll tell you how I got started. I actually got into video kind of by accident, really early in my career. Um, I was originally a scientist. Um, I did a PhD in chemistry, and then I went to uh, Cambridge, England, on a postdoctoral fellowship. And a funny thing happened while I was there. I became interested in writing, and I got some articles published in a big Canadian newspaper called the Globe and Mail. And in fact, uh, writing became a lot more fun to me than what I was doing working in a research lab. So um, I came back to Canada and I took a graduate degree in communications. And part of it was that you had to do a thesis. But the good news was it didn't have to be a written thesis. So, naively, I decided to do a video documentary for my thesis. Problem was, I didn't know anything about video or anything about how to make a documentary. So, uh, I thought it would be a great way to learn. Fortunately, though, uh, we could use the resources of um, the campus TV studios. So I got to work with some really talented people, camera crew, editors, production staff, and they actually knew what they were doing. And it was such a great experience that I I fell in love with the whole process of making documentaries. Um, After that, I got a job with our uh, national R&D agency here in Ottawa. And my first assignments were writing and producing science films. And I did that for a few years. But you know how things work. Um, I got promoted into management, and uh, I couldn't really do a lot of the hands-on stuff. That's so much fun. Um, After that, I spent uh, over 10 years with the Canadian Space Program, and I was director of communications there. But then about five years ago, even though I still like my job, I decided that I didn't want to spend eight or nine hours every day in an office anymore. And I wanted to spend more time doing the personal things that I really enjoy. So traveling, doing stuff on my Mac, and of course, video. Best of all, I can do them all at once now. And as Allison Sheridan told me the other day, uh, we are role models for she and Steve because they've recently retired and they love doing this stuff too. 
You know, it's it's kind of remarkable. There's a lot of Mac users and Mac Power users listeners over in the roles at NASA. We get a lot of email from NASA people. Right. I think it's We're totally going to have to have a space show. Yeah. I think we just yeah. I mean, you we guys should. don't like Star Trek and Star Wars and that kind of stuff, do you? What are you yeah. talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. Joke. <laughs> 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 I know you're both dyed in the wool. So, <laughs> oh, I, I when I when I went down to the the space center in in Florida, I was I just loved it, and I actually been there a few times. Every almost every time we go to Disney World, I talk my family into you know letting me out for a day to go down there. And when I was a little kid, we we went down there, and I remember I was like six or something, and I bought and my parents bought me a flight suit, you know, a little blue right. zip up, right. Oh, you had one of those astronaut suits? I I, always wanted one of those. I thought I was so badass. I wore that thing until... Please tell me you didn't wear it to school. I I, I wore it to school every time I could get out the door with it on. You know, one of the tricks is you wear it, and then you put a big heavy jacket on top so your mom doesn't realize exactly what you're wearing, and then you just bolt for the door. (laughs) Uh, But I I wore that thing until the sleeves were, like, at my forearm, you know, the long sleeves, and the... You know, <laughs> they were high waters up like halfway up my calf. I was still wearing that thing. In fact, I was talking to Daisy about that the other day, and <laughs> she, you know, the she, next time you, you next time you come to Florida, you can buy a new one. They still I sell might them get one. Here. I just might get one. She she told me that she's glad that I waited until after we were married to tell her that story. <laughs> Did you go to any space shuttle launches in Florida, David? Um. No, and I, I, I actually, uh, I had a, a client once who was a former executive at NASA, and I helped him out with some problems, and he told me, hey, just let me know, I will get you great seating, blah, 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 and, you know, raising kids, and, you know, it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a long trip from here, and I never took advantage of it, and when they shot off the last shuttle, I really felt like I, I missed out on something. Yeah, I mean, they are really fantastic, and, it, and just a really visceral and emotional experience. Especially when you know someone aboard the shuttle. <laughs> I, I uh, bet. Yeah. I bet. So you've been doing video, though, for a long time. Yeah, I guess so. And did it, you know, I know now that it's it's more of a, a hobby rather than a, a profession, but you, you've really got some, some impressive gear. I remember, I think, at Macworld this past year, you were showing me um, the stuff that you travel with. And you've got one of these big Pelican cases, I think, that David is so, so fond of. And that is stuff to the go. And you're like, well, here's my primary camera and here's my backup camera. And this is my camera that I use for all of this stuff. How did, how did you um, start this collection? Because obviously when you're doing this more as a, as a career, uh, you know, you've got, you know, stuff that the, you buy through your employment and that you've got, you know, access to all of this gear. But then, you know, when you retire and, and you do this as a hobby, you know, some, sometimes it, it takes a while to accumulate things and figure out what you need and prioritize and figure, okay, well, what of this do I really need? You know, if I'm just really going to be taking vacation photos or other things. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the gear that, that you get into, but, but more so, how do you decide, you know, how do you figure out what you need and how to do this type of stuff? Well, yeah, you, you mentioned the Pelican case. Um, yeah, it's that's actually one of my favorite pieces of travel gear. It's called a Pelican 1510 case, and, and it's hard, and it's indestructible, and it fits into pretty well every overhead bin that you're going to come across on a plane. I know I know that you have one too, David. Um, mine is the one where the bottom half 
uh, is divided into a whole lot of padded compartments. So um, I can stuff it full of all of my camera gear, uh, connectors, cords, memory cards, batteries, chargers, lenses, all that kind of stuff. And I, I admit I probably take too much equipment with me when I travel. But the way I look at it, the Pelican case is going to come with me one way or the other. So I might as well fill it with a few extra things. And and I guess I'd That's rather have I'd rather have too much stuff with me than be caught short when I really need something. Yeah. And so so mine is the fifteen ten LOC. It's the laptop overnight right. case. Right. And it's got a really great thing in the lid. And for me, and this is kind of old news, I'm not gonna spend a bunch of time on it, but my 15-inch MacBook Pro ziplocks into the lid of that thing rock solid. So when I get on the plane, I can stick it in the overhead. I just use my iPad. Even on a very long flight, I can get by with just the iPad. And and I've got my good laptop with me, and I don't have to worry about it getting crushed. And like you, I, I do put – now, mine is not built for carrying a lot of camera gear. But, you know, when you've got socks and underwear and whatever in the clothing section, it actually kind of works where you can kind of wedge in the good camera lens and the little pieces you need to bring with you. So as as far as my camera gear, um, I, I guess you kind of um, accumulate it over time. And, and I'm probably going to say this more than once today, but if I think back 10 years ago, um, I, I recognize that most people didn't even own one video camera. But if you think about it today, pretty well everyone has either a smartphone or an iPad or a point-and-shoot camera or an SLR or something like that. And all of those devices have a video camera built in. And I'm no different. So if you include those things, I probably have about eight cameras with me when I travel. Um, let's see, there's my iPad mini. I always travel with my mini and my iPhone 5S. And the iPhone is really my go-to device for, uh, let's call it spur of the moment video and stills. It's just so convenient. Um, I still bring my old iPhone 4S with me and I use it with some extra lenses as just as a video camera. Very convenient. And I also have a uh, a really small Sanyo camcorder, and it's it, it just fits in your shirt pocket, and it's so easy to bring out and take uh, sneaky little shots when you want to. Um, these days, I also bring a GoPro camera with me. GoPros are just great, and they've really exploded. Seems everyone has them. Action cameras. Um, the one I like, the accessory I really like, is a wrist strap that comes with it. So you kind of wear it as a, think of it as a really big oversized wristwatch. And it's really convenient when you're on the go because you just press the button, you kind of lift your forearm up and aim it, and it's really stable. Um, for my main camera, Let me interrupt there real quick, real yeah. quick, Wally. With the GoPro, do you find as a videographer that the fisheye lens gets in your way? Uh, in my way, in what sense? Well, just the way it shoots video is so different from your other devices um you know the interesting thing is psychologically i i think when the gopros first came out people looked at the fisheye footage or the uh the really wide angle footage and they saw said gee that's really weird but now that they've been out a few years we've i think just become so accustomed to gopro footage that it almost seems natural to us now i know sometimes you you edit a shot and it looks really awkward going from that really tight shot 
to a, a really wide, weird GoPro shot. But it, if you do it right and you go from long shots or medium shots to the GoPro, it, it can look pretty natural. We've got two iPhones, an iPad, a, a GoPro on your wrist. We've got a pocket camera in your in your shirt pocket. Yeah, I hope you're keeping score and here. One, two, three, four. All right, we're at five already. Okay. Or so. So uh, then I have uh, I bring two main cameras. I have a, a and they're both a few years old. Uh, there's a Sanyo Exacti and a Canon Vixia. Um, and I have some extra lenses for them. Now, both of them are, are good consumer camcorders. But as David said before, they're not really high end by any means. Um, but a couple things I always look for in a camera. First, uh, this is really important to me, at least. If I can't put it in my pocket, I don't want it. Because it's, mm. it's, it's really hard to take a big clunky camera, like a big camera or an SLR. They're definitely out for me. I just can't be bothered to, to lug those things around and set them up. And it's just more trouble than they seem they're worth. And I like cameras like the Sanyo or, or the iPhone or cameras that uh, record video either as MP4 or MOV files. Now, that's important to me because you can preview them really quickly and easily right in the finder on your Mac just using Quick Look. Um, I find that the AVC HD cameras just drive me nuts because you either have to preview the footage right in your camera or go through the laborious process of importing and converting the footage and finally getting a chance to look at it on your Mac. So uh, both of those cameras that I, I carry um, fit that bill. And what are you recording to? Just is it um, flash storage of some kind that you can then pop into your Mac? Or yeah, they're SD cards. Um, okay, that's another thing that goes in the Pelican case. Lots and lots of SD cards and lots of extra batteries. You'd be surprised how quickly you can run through batteries. So I have extras and chargers with me um, all the time. Now the good thing is I also travel with a uh, one of my main computers is a uh, 13-inch MacBook Air. It's about a 2010 vintage, but really good enough for my purposes. And one thing I really like about it, it has an SD slot in it. So you can just pop your mm -hmm. card uh, right out of your camera, put it into the um, MacBook Air, and transfer all that footage over so you've got it backed up already. It's great. Okay, so so let's talk about that a little bit. You're you're taking all of this footage um, on a typical vacation. You're on the road, wherever. Now I know because I have a 13 inch MacBook Air, and I, I think mine is a version or two newer. But I, I believe that I had the 2010 model, maybe a model earlier. You probably don't have a ton of storage space on that MacBook Air. Maybe a 128 or a 256 gigabyte hard drive. So what are you doing with all of this this footage that you're shooting? Are you nightly pulling it off onto your hard drive or? Uh, yeah, I am. Actually, I have the 256 gigabyte SSD, and I run a fairly lean system on it, so I probably have about, oh, maybe 100 gigs free on it. And that's usually enough to um, take all of the footage I would shoot on a typical trip. Now, this last um, Macworld, I came back with a lot, a lot of footage from the Cirque du Mac shoot, and, and we'll talk about that in a little while. But in addition to just the MacBook Air, I also take a couple of um, 
pocket hard drives with me, and they're uh, maybe a terabyte. I think one of them is just 500 gigs. But that's plenty of space. So originally, I um, initially, I'll take the footage off of the camera, put it on the MacBook Air, and I'll preview it every night. I want to get a sense for how good the footage looks that I shot the previous day. If I made any mistakes, I want to go back and reshoot something um, and just get an idea of how things are going. So I'll, I'll preview it very quickly. And then if I find that I'm running out of space on the MacBook Air, then I'll just put it all over on one of the pocket drives. In fact, I usually do that anyway. So I'm kind of I'm kind of a belt and suspenders kind of guy with backups. So I've got the SD cards that I don't erase. Uh, I've got the MacBook Air, and I've got the um, footage on the pocket drive. So I really have three versions of it at all times. Hate to lose it. Yeah. Now, like, for instance, I know you generally work in Final Cut yeah. uh, and it allows you to reference the library off an external drive. Do you do that like on the trip or do you just at during the trip, just collect as much footage as you can and worry about the rest later? Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, I, I really don't do any editing on the trip. I mean, realistically, Final Cut 10 doesn't run real fast on a, a macbook air um yeah really i didn't think along. about it. so a, a 2010 um, macbook air with the final cut that's probably gonna not be remarkably fast yeah <laughs> but, but it, does it work oh it does but uh it's glacial let's yeah. just put it that way so yeah i just collect the footage in it and actually i uh i sort it i label it i put it in folders so when i get back and i actually import that footage in the final cut 10 um, it's already tagged and it already has keywords and I can, uh, uh import it right into an, an event, for example, and I'm ready to go. And you can do that kind of, uh, work in your hotel room or on a plane or relaxing somewhere. So it's pretty easy to do. Okay. And, and Wally, so it sounds like you do most of your, your video editing, um, on a Mac back at home, not so much that, that 2013 or that 2010 MacBook, MacBook Air. Uh, what kind of machine are you running back at, back at your home setup? Well, um, in addition to that one, um, my main machine is a MacBook, uh, a Mac Pro. And that's a vintage about, uh, I think, 2009. Um, I've got a fair bit of RAM in it, and I'm running um, five hard drives in that machine. So I've got my main, and they're all uh, two terabyte hard drives, spinning hard drives. Um, there's my main boot drive. I have where the second um, optical bay is. I installed another hard drive, and that's where I run my time machine. So I've always got a, a backup ready. I've got a clone of my main boot drive that I um, do an incremental backup with SuperDuper automatically once a week. So three of the drives are kind of backups. I've got one other boot drive that's got uh, Final Cut 10 installed on it and very little else, just a very clean, fast system. So um, if, if I'm going to be editing all day long, for example, um, I will boot from that drive, and um, I'll, I'll run it all day long and do my editing. I've got, uh, let's see, how many drives is that? I've, I think I've got one more left over, and I use that as a storage drive for a, a lot of the, uh, 
the video footage. Um, what else do I have? Um, my displays. I run three 24-inch displays. Um, and in, in fact, I really have a hard time getting down to one display anymore, even two, because I've got so used to working with them. Um, it, it, I've got one on the left, one on the right, and one in the middle. And when I sit down in my studio, I, I sort of feel like uh, Captain Kirk uh, on the bridge of the uh, the Enterprise. Just wonderful. So anyway, I can spread my work out across all of those displays. Um, and it's really fun to edit that way because you've got some space to maneuver. All right. So, so right, Wally, I, 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 I started the show saying... We're going to show people how they can make great videos with their family. And now you have described a Captain Kirk-like setup. Oops. <laughs> but I do think that... But that's uh, just getting... me. Come on. Well, no. Hey, you know, I bet it's a lot of people listening to the show because we can't help ourselves. You know, I, I bought a Bluetooth device for my car two days ago. Uh, but the um, But I do think that, you know, kind of rolling back a little bit, the camera in your iPhone 5S is going to be a very good video camera and it it's quite comparable to the stuff that you would have bought for quite a bit more money just a few years ago. And, and any Mac that can run final cut can do some of the advanced techniques Wally's going to talk about. And the, you know, the kind of the vision I had for this is I, you know, just in my own family, we're doing some stuff, you know, I've got a bunch of kids graduating and things happening in the next few weeks. And I was thinking, let's have Wally and I need him to teach me how to do a multicam shoot because I'm going to have three or four people running around with iPhones and I'd like to make a really killer video of this stuff. And I think Wally, well, can, can you fly out to California and meet David for his kids graduation and, <laughs> I'm I'm on the next plane, David. Well, that'd there be ideal. Go. Then then we Problem can just solved. end the show now, and um, we can all go have a drink, and and I'll just have Wally here in a few weeks. But just you know, but you can't go to every listener's house, so I guess we should probably continue and yeah. and explain some of that stuff. Well, let's talk a little well, bit about um, uh, just people who would like to do a little bit of video and don't know where to start and they're not sure if they want to do it or how to do it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and in fact, um, as I said before, video cameras used to be really rare, but pretty well everyone has a high def camera of some kind. And, you know, whether it's your iPhone or your iPad or your point and shoot or whatever you have, it's so easy to shoot video now. It really is easy. Problem is, I think that most people just aren't in the habit of shooting video. They're, they're so uh, used to taking still photos that they don't think of taking video um, instinctively. Now, I have friends, they'll go on a trip, they'll come back with hundreds and hundreds of photos. But if I ask them, did you shoot any video? They'll say, yeah, maybe one or two short clips. So for, for people who would like to do something, I would say, see if you can break those old habits and just press that video record button on your iPhone or your camera. That's really the most important thing. Just shoot some stuff. If it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad, it really doesn't matter. You'll get better the more you do it. All right, and I want to get there, but let's uh, we got to keep the lights on, too. So let's take a real quick okay. break to talk about our sponsor. All right, we'll come back. 
Well, I would like to welcome a new sponsor to Mac Power Users, and that is the folks over at Stack Social at stacksocial.com slash MPU. Now, these folks have put together some awesome deals for Mac products, Mac software, um, and you should check them out generally. But right now, they've got going on the Name Your Own Price Summer Blockbuster Mac Bundle featuring Pathfinder 6 and Fantastical. And this is just amazing. Uh, we've been talking to the Stack Social folks for a while now, and they came to us and said, we want to put together a bundle this summer um, for when we promote with uh, MPU. What are some of your favorite apps? What are apps you think Mac Power users, listeners would like? And, you know, we talked to them and we said, well, we gave them the name of a bunch of apps and didn't think that they'd actually be able to deliver some of the awesome apps that they did because Mac Power users, listeners have high standards. And you know what? They did. Um, these are just some of the apps that they have in the bundle. There are 10 apps in total. They've got Pathfinder 6, which we've done an entire episode on. Um, Pathfinder is the Finder replacement app that will allow you to access and manage all of your files. It's got a dozens of useful features that will help you improve your productivity and completely customize your Finder. It's got Fantastical, which is the only way that I enter entries into my calendar. Just click a button, the Fantastical menu will drop down, and then in natural language, you can put in whatever your appointment is, and it will parse it and create a calendar event. Disk Label from Smile Software, one of my all-time favorite software programs and uh, developers. You know, for example, Wally is talking about all of these great movies that he's going to teach us how to make with our Macs. You know, why would you just hand it to somebody if you're going to burn these movies to DVD or to disc? Why would you just write on it with a Sharpie? You can create a beautiful customized label with disc label. Uh, Gemini from the folks over at MacPaw. They have also make great software and have sponsored Mac Power users before. Gemini is the duplicate finder that will help you easily locate and duplicate lost files on your Mac. Uh, then some of the other apps that are included, Flux 4, Logoist, iTunes Cleaner, Mac X iPhone DVD Ripper, SyncMate Expert 5, and Tangerine. And I think I have covered those all. So here's how it works. They've got 10 apps in the bundle and you can pay what you want. Uh, the sooner you go, the better price you'll get. Um, they'll tell you what the average price of the app is. Uh, they'll tell you what the top price is and they'll give you kind of a recommendation price uh, because remember, you've got over $400 worth of software here. Now, if you pay Anything more than the average price for the bundle, you will receive all 10 apps. If you pay anything less than the average price for the bundle, uh, you will receive only three apps, and that would include Tangerine, Disk Label, and SyncMate Expert 5. And the reason for that is they've got to give you some reason uh, to incentivize to pay more because, you know, these, these deals don't come around that often. But pay more than the average price, and the average price is going to change. So get there quickly, and you receive all 10 apps. Uh, they also are going to devote a portion of your purchase to charity. Uh, you buy right there on the site. You get the download code. Um, it just works well. I have already picked up mine. I know David has already picked up his. Um, and, and if you're one of the top 10 in terms of purchasers on the leaderboard, you could be entered to win a MacBook Air. So thanks to Stack Social. Check out the Name Your Own Price Mac Bundle. Again, the apps are Pathfinder, Fantastical, Flux 4, Gemini, Logoist, iTunes Cleaner, Mac X, iPhone DVD Ripper, Disk Label, SyncMate Expert, Tangerine. Go to stacksocial.com slash MPU. And thanks to them for their support of the show. That's just a great bundle. I, I'm kind of an app junkie and I have a lot of those apps and uh, I use Fantastical every day and I just love Pathfinder. So that's a really good deal. 
Yeah, I, I actually yeah. bought it because there's a couple in there I didn't have, like Gemini I've been talking about forever, so I just bought the bundle. Um, but I want to get, so we've been teasing everybody too long on this, Wally. I, I want to talk about this. Everybody knows, you know, okay, pull the camera out of your pocket, push the button and shoot some video. But there's actually some some real powerful stuff you can do using Apple devices. And uh, describe for us kind of briefly, what is a multi-camera shoot? And is it something that a mere mortal can pull off? Okay, um, we'll talk about a multi-camera shoot for a second, and th- then I want to get back to what we were talking about, why why people don't shoot a lot of video, and some of the, um, the, the suggestions I can make for people who want to get into it a little bit. So remind me, and we'll come back to that. Um, but to do a multi-camera shoot, it's really pretty easy. Um, first of all, as you said before, though, um, you really need to have a copy of Final Cut Pro 10 because that makes your life so much easier. Although, even if you're, even if you don't, you could probably uh, muddle through, but really it's, it's the kind of thing you want to have. It just does a great job. And I'll, I'll describe it in a minute. But what you do in a multi-camera shoot, let's say you have, um, uh, a couple of iPhones, one person has an iPhone, another person has an iPhone, somebody else has a, a video camera, and somebody else has a point-and-shoot camera. And you go to some event, let's uh, let's say it's a, uh, a musical performance. It could be something as simple as uh, your teenager with uh, his or her first band in your basement and you want to record it, or it could be uh, a church choir singing, or it could be a school play, uh, a wedding, something like that. What all you do is you set up your cameras and your camera operators in different positions, uh, shooting the same event at the same time from different angles. Okay. Yeah, so now you- I, I, right there, I have to apologize to you because uh, last year at, at Macworld, I had this day. It was the day of Cirque de Mac, and the uh, I spoke like three times, and there is an open bar at Cirque de Mac, and I was feeling pretty good, and someone handed me a a monopod that was belonged to Wally, they said, and they said, this is for the shoot. I need you to hold it here. Oh. And I stood in the middle of the dance floor for like 20 minutes holding that. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that the the footage is unusable for that 20-minute period. Well. I'm pretty sure. Now you know. Now you know fault. who did it. Yeah. That but, footage, that was you. <laughs> no, but, but like, I, I'm teasing. I, I don't remember anything that was really unusable. So maybe you actually was, did do a good job. I felt like I was swaying quite a bit, to be honest. Now, now, but if you're at home with your kids, for instance, you could have some tripods set up and just set the, the devices on these, these tripods that, that are fixed at whatever the performance you're trying to capture, right? Right. And the, the, the good thing is you can set them up on tripods. You can do them handheld. The key is you have to shoot the same thing from different angles because what you're going to do then is when you edit the footage back, you're going to switch from one angle to another. And when I say switch, just think of watching, uh, well, let's say a hockey game or a, a sitcom on TV. That's exactly what's happening in real time. There's a switcher who's switching from one camera to another in real time. Well, you're going to do the same thing, but you're not going to do it in real time. You're going to do it when you get back home and you import your footage into Final Cut Pro. So uh, tripods are a really good idea because they're going to give you the most stable shots. 
So you want to set them up where people aren't going to walk in front of your camera and block the view, uh, out of the traffic lanes so people don't knock it over, for example. Um, but you can use one uh, or you can use two or three or four. And I think Final Cut 10 will accommodate up to about 99 cameras. I don't think you want to do that, but it's technically possible. So <laughs> that's crazy. I didn't yeah. know it was that high. So but, what but you do you, is you've got an extra iPhone around the house, like your old iPhone or your wife's and your own. I mean, it, it's not that hard to get two or three angles on an event. No, not at all. And, and in fact, you, with Final Cut 10, you don't really have to worry about too much whether the resolutions of the devices are a little bit different because it'll scale everything back to the, the, the best common denominator automatically. So what you do is you bring all that footage back. Remember, this is the same event shot from different angles. And you import it into Final Cut Pro 10. And what you end up with is several um, video clips shot by the different cameras. What you want to do then is combine them. You want to put them together into one clip, and that's called a multi-clip. And the way uh, you used to do that, earlier versions of Final Cut Pro, for example, you would have to look at each of those clips and you would have to find uh, a common sync point for all of them. So it could be uh, a camera flash. It could be uh, this, a, a certain sound, the sound of an instrument or a voice, or you can use a clapperboard. But you had to find some way of syncing those together. The really neat thing about Final Cut Pro 10 is it does it automatically. All you have to do is select the uh, tracks that you want to sync, and you just press a button and tell Final Cut Pro to use the audio tracks from each of those clips to sync them. Okay, so... That's, so I have, that just blew my mind. Yeah, and I have that, to admit, it's magic. I tried it. After, it really after is watching magic. Walt, yeah, I watched Wally's video, and I just set up a little test at the house, and you throw it in the Final Cut, and it just creates this multi-track for you. And then all you, it's it's very easy to jump between the cameras and create this really great looking video. There's no alignment that needs to be done. The the software handles the whole thing for you, and that's what really got me thinking. Because you know, there's a lot of people out there that have a couple iOS devices. There's cameras and iPads, and there's cameras and iPhones. And because it's an Apple product, it works so well with the Apple hardware. Uh, you know, your investment to create a, a really decent looking multicam shoot of even just something as silly as your kid's school play is $300. You've got to buy final cut. Now, like Wally said, you can put the stuff into iMovie. You can import the separate clips and you can try and line them up and it is possible, but it's, it's extremely aggravating. Because yeah. You don't have to don't get try it. this at home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, so Wally using David's example coming up of, of let's say he's shooting a graduation. Okay. So let's say he, he takes his iPhone um, and he, he sets it up on a tripod and he points it at the stage, you know, to get, you know, the graduates coming across and to, to get the speaker and all of that stuff. Well, one of the shots you you always want to get is a, a sort of a, 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 a medium wide master shot. And that kind of puts everything in context. It shows you the locale. And it's the shot that no matter what the other cameras are doing, you can always come back to it because it's stable, it's steady, and it, it gives you the best view of everything. 
So set one, set that one up for, for a start. And you usually set that up uh, kind of in the middle of the action, back away from the stage. And then you can put your other okay. cameras wherever you like them, one on the right, one on the left. Uh, you can put one. Maybe like one focused on some of the graduates, maybe one focused on Absolutely. You know, kids and you one focused on the audience. Put one up in the balcony, put one, you know, right right on the stage if you can manage it. And anywhere you want to put the cameras, it'll work. You're getting there a few hours early, right, Dave? You can even put a GoPro on your graduate's head and have them walk walk and get their diploma. It totally might be really yeah. fun. Do that. My, my teenager would be so happy to do that yeah, <laughs> yeah. tell her i Actually, said doing, so the, the 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 shoot i'm thinking about is at the house we're having a little party for yeah. her and i thought it would be fun to set up some cameras and do something like this but it, it's just so ridiculously easy i think a lot of people out there don't realize that they have the power to do that because it just didn't exist a couple of years ago and it's this combination of the high quality cameras you know, that are in the things you put in your pocket these days, uh, combined with the advances in the software with Final Cut that make it very easy for someone with, with really no experience to, to put this together. And maybe that's a good jumping off point, Wally, for talking a little bit about why we should be shooting more video. Well, and, and you know, just to finish that off, um, you can set up as many cameras as you want. Just go crazy. And when you get back home and you look at the footage, if, if some of the cameras didn't perform well or the footage doesn't look great, no problem. Just don't bother using it. Use the footage you got from the best cameras. And, and I'll tell you one more piece of magic that Final Cut Pro 10 does. This is really amazing. Uh, let's pretend that one of the cameras uh, had to start and stop several times during the graduation ceremony or the party. Well, that's not a problem because you can take all of the individual pieces from that one camera and you can include them when you um, try to make your multi-clip. And guess what? Final Cut 10 will take all of those individual pieces and they will it will sync them up with the rest of the video. It's great. It, yeah, so the, it doesn't have to be a continuous shot and uh, the cameras don't even have to start and stop at the same time. It's great. And, and the cameras don't have to be in the same place. I mean, you can shoot 15 minutes with your phone in one location and move it to a different location. Exactly, exactly. Uh, the, the, the trick is it's using audio to do all the sync. And yes. since they're all recording audio at the same time, it just lines up the audio. And well, every one of your tracks, uh, uh, cameras has to have an audio track. If you don't have the audio track, you're kind of out of luck. Although, even at that, you can still go back and use that old method of syncing with a light flash or a noise or something like that. So even if you don't have audio, you can manually uh, bring that particular clip in sync with the others. How did you um, decide that you were going to use Final Cut and now you're using Final Cut 10? I mean, I know there are a lot of other options out there when you're doing video uh, video work. Some people like the Adobe products. Some people like the Apple products. Um have you played around with some of the other solutions or did you just decide from the get-go that it was always going to be the Apple solution? How well, did that happen? I've been using, uh, well, I've been running, using Mac since about 1984, the original 128K Mac, which was not really that good for video at the time, but, you know, they've improved a little yeah, bit no. since. Um, but I've been using Apple programs for a long time. 
And I started with the original iMovie, and I think that was in the early 2000s, maybe. Um, the original iMovie was so easy to learn, and it was really, really easy to use. And I liked it. I made a lot of videos with it. But, you know, in another way, it was a terrible, terrible program because it actually made you uh, slice up your video file. So you didn't want to work on anything that you hadn't backed up to begin with. So it was destructive editing, in other words. And then when the, the new version of iMovie came out, um, well, I didn't really like it very much at all. And um, and I'll be honest, even though iMovie has got a lot, lot better over the years, it still really isn't for me. I, I don't know. It, it just doesn't let me do the things I want to do as smoothly as I want to do them. And, and it, so when iMovie changed, I started using Final Cut Express just to get the hang of a new operating or a new uh, editing system. And then the old version of Final Cut Pro up to about version 7. But really now, um, when you think about it, Final Cut Pro 10, I know it sounds like a lot of money, 200 bucks, um, but it just has everything I want and it works so well. And what really gets me, uh, just put the $200 in context. When I started uh, in video or documentary film, it was a really big deal and a really expensive proposition to make a documentary film. Um, even a camera, um, uh, uh, Aeroflex, for example, camera, tens of thousands of dollars. And if you didn't have a camera, you would have to hire a cameraman for a day or two days or whatever at great expense. And then you would have to process the footage and you have to send it away, get it back, pay the money. And then you would have to edit that footage. And if you wanted to do that, you needed an editing suite. And if you didn't want to buy a very expensive editing suite, well, of course, you would rent a studio and hire an editor to do it. So more money. And then finally, uh, you would have to do your audio mixing and all of your post-production, et cetera, et cetera. Every time you turned around, it costs money and more money and more money. It was really expensive. So if you wanted to do documentary film uh, on your own, it was pretty tough. And you compare that to now, you can do everything. You can shoot the stuff with a really good quality, say $500 um, consumer camcorder or even your iPhone. Um, you could bring it back to your, um, to your home, sit at your Mac, um, iMacs are a great video editing machine, for example. So I assume you already have a Mac. So that $200 for Final Cut Pro 10 is just an absolute bargain when you think of what it used to cost and how much you can do now with video right on your desktop that you just couldn't do some years back. I do want to burst your bubble a little bit. It's okay. 299 $299. Sorry yeah, about but that. Agreed. But does that and, include and motion and a compressor? Uh, no, those are separate purchases. $50 each? Yeah, something like that. Okay. And, and it used to be Final Cut just a few years ago was thousands. So exactly. they, they've really come a long way. Exactly. It, it, is, it is something that a consumer, or I guess you'd say prosumer, can use. And 
it's definitely worth something checking out. And there's, there's a ton of great uh, video footage like YouTube and other tutorials. Lynda.com has a ton of resources yeah. on it. So it, it wouldn't really be that hard for you to pick up. Um, and, and of course, Don McAllister has a, a few uh, screencasts online tutorials and Final Cut. So yeah, there's a lot of places you can learn this stuff. How could I not say that Don McAllister has screencasts on us? Because get the Liverpool accent as a bonus. Um, listen, I want to take a minute and talk about another one of our sponsors, and that is Squarespace, the website builder that everyone loves. Uh, Squarespace has been a longtime sponsor of the show. And more importantly, Squarespace has been giving me and Katie the support we need to build our own personal websites. Max Sparky, for instance, is on Squarespace. Um, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. Uh, you can get a free trial with 10% off at squarespace.com slash MacPowerUsers. And the offer code, I want you to remember this, is Katie Floyd with no spaces. Katie I'm, Floyd. I'm sorry. Say that one more time. I wasn't K quite clear on what that offer code was. I-E-F-L-O-Y-D. My pal, Katie Floyd with no space. You get 10% off. You can't beat that. I just had a, a friend in. The other day, who's building a new e-commerce website, him and his wife are starting a business and they were going to spend a great deal of money on someone to build them a website. And I showed them Squarespace. They played with it for a few days and they came in and they had the Squarespace website all put together that enabled e-commerce. They already had products listed on the site and it was live and people could buy stuff. And that's the enabling force of Squarespace. It's so easy to use. Even oh, if you David, have no, you cost somebody a lot of money. I cost a lot of people money, but that's okay. It seems like a lot of people are costing me money lately. <laughs> the, I know, uh, but that poor that poor web designer who was going to do them a custom site and all that, you know. I know. Well, you know that's that's the that's the way it goes. You know, you you got to keep up. And, and with this new e commerce solution at Squarespace, it it really is fantastic. I hadn't played with it because I have not had really a use for it. But but helping him set up and and kind of looking through, it's it's really quite powerful. You got the product pages. You can click on the individual product, and it gives it an individual page. There, it's got the shopping cart, everything you need to set it up and go. Uh, Squarespace constantly updates their platform with new features and designs and more support. Uh, they have beautiful templates for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust. So you really can create your own space online. Everything is drag and drop, so it's easy to add content from your desktop and even arrange elements and content within the page. And if you're a web pro and you want to put more complex code in there, they got you covered with that, too. The other thing that I really like about Squarespace is how great their support is. If you have a problem, they've got these great support pages. Or you can submit a ticket and they'll respond to you very quickly and answer your question. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you need some help, there are over 70 Squarespace employees on the customer care team. They're located in two places now. They're in New York City and Dublin. Now, if you're really lucky, you'll get someone from Dublin because I love listening to the accent. But if not, you know, New York City. Uh, they're available 24-7 for live chat and email support. Now, as I said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free with no credit card required. And if you decide to purchase, plans start at just $8 a month, including a domain name if you sign up for a year. So make sure to get 10% off and support our show by using the offer code Katie Floyd with no space, K-A-T-I-E-F-L-O-Y-D. Go check it out at squarespace.com slash MacPowerUsers. And thank you to Squarespace for your continuing support of both 555 and the MacPowerUsers. 
So, Wally, I think we've got to talk a little bit, um, and, and maybe you can explain a little more about how this all works, about this epic Cirque de Mac video shoot that you did. And so the the backstory a little bit is for people who have not made it to Macworld, first off, shame on you. But the party at Macworld is the Cirque de Mac. And I, this year, we it was uh, version 10 of the party. Um, it was the 10th anniversary of Cirque de Mac, where the world-famous Macworld all-star band plays. You've got Paul Kent. You've got Dave Hamilton. Uh, Wally, you could probably name them all up. But you've got some some great Mac luminaries who who are really wonderful musicians. Once a year, they get together and they play. And, you know, a couple of years ago, Wally, you, you took some video and um, then you, you'd put a song or two up on YouTube. And then the year after that, you'd put a couple of more. And then all of a sudden I started seeing you running around with set lists and you had other people running around behind you. And then this year you just went absolutely crazy and you filmed the whole thing. So first question is, what were you thinking? <laughs> Well, um, actually, I even got you into the action, I think, a couple of years ago, Katie, because I, I remember giving I you the so, camera. Yeah. And, and, well, because uh, you can't trust that, that spark gust guy. Yeah, I know. Well, he his, his camera was wobbling all over the place, so I figured I needed a steadier hand. So there we go. Actually, you did, was, you did really like, well. You got some of the action on the dance floor. So that was good. I, you don't understand. I was shooting avant-garde. Uh-huh. You, you people just don't understand my art. Okay, well, let's talk about Cirque du Mac. And um, I do want to come back again to, to the point we were, where David was teasing me before about having all of these monitors and all of these hard drives and everything else. So before we leave, I do want to yeah, talk I'm, a little bit about... Yeah, I know why you need those. Yeah, I, I want to talk a, a little bit about um, how people can get into video and uh, what it takes and what it doesn't take and, and some of the really easy things that you can do to... to uh, to, to get into it. But first of all, okay, let's talk about Cirque du Mac. Um, my very first Mac World actually was in, let's see, 2009. So this year was the sixth one. Um, how long have you been coming to Mac World, David, Katie? I've lost um, track. Lost track? 2000 and, 2008 was my first year. Right. Okay. Well, we met somewhere along the way. So this was my sixth one this year. And the first year we came, um, we got invited to a lot of really great parties, uh, including Cirque du Mac. Um, now, when I go to a social event, like at Macworld or anywhere else, I usually don't ever bring a video camera. Because I think people just want to have fun, they want to be themselves, and they don't want to have cameras watching them. But when we got to Cirque du Mac, I kind of wish that I had brought a camera along because it would have been really great to record some of the band's performance. In fact, I remember that year, I think Andy Anotko came to the party and he got on stage and he sang with a group and it was really neat. So the year after that, I decided, yes, this, this time I will bring a camera. And I did. And I recorded just one full song. And I recorded it from one position in, in the room. So this was certainly not a multicam because I was just using one camera. But after that, I, I moved around to different positions in the room and I shot some more close-ups of the band members uh, doing different songs. And so finally, when I got home, I put together kind of a fake multicam using just one camera and all of those cutaway, cutaways. 
And I look at it now and it's really kind of funny because, for example, uh, Paul Kent, uh, who's the lead guitar and a vocalist, when you watch that video at the beginning, he's wearing a sweater and somewhere in the middle he takes it off. And at the end, he's just got a T-shirt on. So obviously those clips were shot at different times during the performance, but I put them all together into kind of a fake multicam. Anyway, that was really fun. So uh, I decided the next year I would try to get a bit more ambitious, and I recruited a couple of friends to help me. Uh, And that time I set up three camera positions uh, at the front of the stage, left, center, and right. And I got Don McAllister and Steve Sheridan to record uh, a couple of songs with me. So that year, I guess I ended up with two real, proper multicam videos, two songs. And, well, it kind of snowballed after that. The next year, that would be about 2012, I got Chuck Joyner, our friend Chuck Joyner, and another uh, friend involved. And that time we ran five cameras and we did three songs. And the year after that, I added one more camera and I came up with nine songs. In fact, that was the year that Katie made her debut as a camera operator. Uh, And this year, we had nine cameras and we shot the whole show that's 23 songs and um the show was about two hours long and and i must say here uh, chuck joiner kind of got me going on that now chuck records the show every year uh and he puts it on his mac voices site and he kind of egged me on to do the whole thing but it's kind of a tough ask when your friends volunteer to do some camera work and you say to them, well, listen, would you mind not enjoying the party this year and not socializing with your friends and not dancing, but would it be okay if you stood in one spot for two hours and recorded the band? So, you know, that's that's kind of tough to ask people to do that. So I tried to make it voluntary. Uh, I told the people. Um, Look, shoot as much as you can manage. If you get tired, don't worry about it. Go have a rest. You don't have to do the whole thing. Just do what you can, and I'll work with the footage you bring back. And you know what? Um, All of them stuck it out right to the end. They were fantastic. So, you know, my kudos. Okay, now, wait one second. I have to say, now, Chuck Joyner. That that would be why he didn't ask you, David. No, Chuck (laughs) Joyner is the one who asked me to hold his camera. So he was off. Okay. Oh well, and I was I was the swaying Chuck Joyner cam okay. for about twenty minutes. Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. Yeah. Anyway, Actually, this was last year though, it wasn't this year? But anyway. Yeah. No. So so this year, kudos to to Chuck and Steve and Ewan and Leroy and and Raleigh for just hanging in there and and doing the the whole thing. Anyway, I, I collected all of the footage from their cameras before I left MacWorld and. Um, Altogether, I think I had about 120 gigabytes of footage, and that's compressed now. So, you know, once you decompress it, it gets even bigger. Um, And then once I got home, I had to split up all of that footage into individual songs from each camera, and I had to label them. So at that stage, I guess I had, well, well over 200 separate video tracks. Um, after well, that, yeah, because you've got, you've got 23 songs, you've got yep. nine cameras, I'm, yep. you've got, you know, two hours. I mean, you've, wow. Yeah. So, and we talked about, um, the magic that Final Cut Pro 
does in in syncing the song. So really, that part was kind of easy. You just select the tracks of the nine cameras. You tell Final Cut Pro to sync it based on the audio track, and boom, it happens. So after that, you just create now, just, a just a to new... clarify before bef- I'm sorry before yeah, you put it into Final Cut, yeah, you, you split it into songs first. So you had 23 separate Final Cut projects each one representing a song, or did you put the whole two hours times nine cameras into Final Cut and then no. parse it out into songs? Okay, let me give an example. Uh, we, we mentioned Chuck Joyner's camera. Well, Chuck records the entire performance. He has his um, camera set up high on a tripod, and he just presses the button and, boom, records the whole thing without stopping. Now, um, it's really hard for a computer and Final Cut Pro to digest a huge, huge um, video file like that. So what I like to do is take the entire two-hour video clip from Chuck, for example, and break it up into 23 pieces, one for every song. And I did that for the other cameras, too, where they shot continuously. And my camera, for example, I stopped recording after every song. So I, I knew in the end that I wanted to have individual songs, but for cameras that recorded the whole thing without stopping, I actually chopped it up into 23 individual pieces. And then I labeled it by song. So uh, Sweet Caroline, for example, there were nine different versions of Sweet Caroline recorded by nine different cameras. So those are the ones then that I would import into Final Cut Pro uh, and create an event and a project for each song, right? Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, was there any tricks that you found in finding a way to do that? I mean, as you went through the process, I know it would be labor intensive to figure that out. The first part, yeah. Like for example, did you? I'm sorry. Did you sync them all up at the beginning and say, okay, well, this one goes from zero to four four minutes and twenty three seconds, and then song two is from four twenty three to to eight seventeen? Or actually, the 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 best tool in that whole process was. QuickTime Pro version 7. That's the previous version of QuickTime. The current version of QuickTime is really not very good, but the old QuickTime Pro version 7, you could import a a long video clip into it. You could set in and out points, and you could trim it to that selection and just save it out as a new file. And all it takes is time and patience. And yeah, that was really... um, what it took to do it all, just being patient enough to do all the pieces one by one. But uh, Final Cut, uh, sorry, Final Cut, uh, QuickTime 7 was just invaluable to do that. There's a lot of video pros out there who just think lovingly about QuickTime 7. And they're so unhappy with, you know, the new QuickTime, which is much simpler and doesn't include those types of controls. Now, I know for a while uh, people could go, Apple actually had the QuickTime 7 still on the web and available for download. Is that still the case? I have no idea. I have no idea. It should be, though. It used to be, I know. We'll we'll take a look. If it's there, we'll put it in the show notes. And and if not... um, I'm sure there's ways to find it out there. But but that made my life so so much easier, the, that program, and being able to um, uh, break things up into, into individual pieces. So as we talked about, the syncing part was actually easy. So nine different uh, clips per song. You just ask Final Cut to roll them all up into one multi-clip. And then when you start editing that as a project, it's really actually a lot of fun because all you do is 
Well, uh, let me back up a little bit. One of the things uh, that I did was uh, number and name each of the tracks. So, for example, Chuck's camera was uh, camera six, and I called it Chuck. So I would be watching nine little thumbnails um, moving at the same time as I played through my um, project, and I could decide when I wanted to switch to a different camera. And to do that, if I wanted to switch to Chuck's camera, all I would have to do is press the number six key on my keyboard because I'd labeled it six and Chuck. And right away, it would switch over to the six camera and on. So if I wanted to switch to one, I would press one and then two and then four and then six, etc. And th the other good thing is you didn't have to do that in real time. In other words, you didn't have to play the song and make those decisions as it was playing. You could actually stop a song where you think you want to make one of those switches, make the switch, have a look to see whether it worked. You could move the switch locations backwards or forward till you find the sweet spot. So again, Final Cut 10 just makes the process so easy. Yeah, it's it really is a management project, getting the footage together for you with such a big project. It's getting the footage together and into the individual projects. The actual workflow of choosing the, the shots uh, is really not that difficult. Must have made you feel like such a boss getting through all that stuff. Yeah, actually, the workflow is pretty easy. And once you've done the first one, all of the rest of them are kind of the same. Um, and it's, it's just a matter of being creative with every one of them to, to bring out some different aspects of the song or um, some interesting things that are happening in the audience or whatever it happens to be. So, Yeah, yeah on that. Wally, give us some tips for someone who's going to go take one of these videos. I mean, not everybody's going to go shoot Cirque du Mac, but maybe they're going to do something with a family event. Um, what's some good tips about deciding which shots you use and generally when? Um, well, for example, if it's a if it's a musical um, event like Cirque du Mac, so let, let's say it's a... Um, uh, a musical performance that you want to do a multicam on. Finding the, the right time to switch from one angle to another is, is kind of a, well, it, it's kind of a creative art. Um, you, you listen for, it, it could be a beat in the music. It could be when the vocalist pauses. It could be uh, a movement of the band members on stage. It could be from a, a point when one instrument changes to another and does a solo um, there's a lot of subtle things that happen when you watch, when you play back the video and you, you just kind of have to be sensitive to what you're seeing and what you're hearing and when it feels natural to change. Um, you don't want to leave a shot on for too long unless it's really dynamic and energetic and there's something really great happening on screen. But if it's just a normal shot, you don't want to leave it too long because people are going to get bored with that same shot. So you do want to switch out, but finding the right sweet spot is, it's always tricky. Believe it or not, even with nine cameras, sometimes you get to a point where none of the cameras really look that great because it, someone might have walked in front of the, the lens. Uh, some, someone could have knocked the camera guy. It, could one of them could be out of focus 
Or as David said before, you could be moving from one lake location to another. And sometimes none of the shots really seem to work that well. So I mentioned before, it's really important to have those stable, medium kind of master shots that you can always come back to, even when none of your other camera angles look that good. So one of the things I did this year, um, I went to the band's rehearsal a couple days before the actual party. Um, and it, it's a great time to look around that room and see see if you can find um, other camera locations. And, and this year I had two cameras in the balcony in the second floor of the club, and they were looking down towards the stage. So they were always stable shots that you could come back to. And that famous shot of Chuck's, except when David is holding the tripod, was usually really pretty steady. And that's another one that you could come back to no matter what you're seeing with the other cameras. So if you're doing this at home and let's say you only have two or three cameras, I think a really good tip would be get a, a high tripod somewhere with that wide shot and just have that one in the clear shooting the whole time. And if any of your close-ups or those others just aren't working, you can always just stay with that, that wide shot. Exactly. Well, Wally, I know you want to talk. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. By all means, be creative with your close-ups and your camera angles, too. So once you've got that stable shot, um, let whoever else is running the camera, if they're on a tripod, obviously they're just going to shoot from another angle. But if you're holding, if you're doing the camera handheld, have a lot of fun with it. Uh, Get low, get high, um, in in position, that is. Um, Shoot from different angles, different perspectives. Get close-ups of the faces and the hands and um, cutaways of other things happening on stage. Just enjoy yourself, and you'll be surprised how easily that kind of footage uh, cuts into your, uh, your video in the end. Yeah, and and the last point on this, I I want to talk about slideshows, and you know we don't have we're running out of time, and there's some other stuff Wally has to share, but the last point of this is, if you're even thinking about this, listening to this, you should try it because it is a lot of fun, and you're going to make some really great video, and and to me, you know, I'm I'm already thinking my kids are growing up so quickly, I'm going to be you know old and drooling on myself before I know it, and I want to have some of these memories on video, and I want to do it really great. And and this stuff for three hundred bucks plus a couple iPhones, I can make this happen. So uh, so thanks, Wally, for sharing that. Uh, let's take a quick spon- sponsor break, and then I want to talk about how you do the slideshow, the video slideshows as well. Right, and remember, I'm going to be in California in a couple of days, so we'll we'll go through all of this stuff, and we'll get oh, you perfect. up and running in multicam. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Well, our our next sponsor for this episode is our good friends at Hover. And, you know, when you've got a great idea, you want to make sure that you grab a domain name for it. And so you want something catch sight, you want something memorable, you want to be able to represent your online identity. And Hover can help you find that perfect domain name to bring whatever your idea is to life. Like maybe uh, Wally's Magic um, Videos or something like that. I don't know, Wally, you need to get a custom domain for all of these videos. Hover, Hover can help you out with that. So it's easy on Hover. Just search the domain you want. You can enter a few keywords like Wally and video and and magic and, you know, whatever you want to put in there. Uh, and Hover will show you the best options available and give you some suggestions. There's a huge variety of domain name extensions that are available. Of course, you've got the .com, the .net. Um, but there are also some other great country codes out there like .io, .me. I mean, it's, it, it is all out there. 
Um, and they've got a great smart control panel, so built-in DNS if you want to forward your domains, um, or you can even add custom email or Google Apps if you want to do that as well. And David, I know that you run your Mac Sparky email through Hover. And really, if you're going to go to all the trouble to establish an online brand, to have your own domain name, it really makes sense to have your own unique email address that goes with that. Something personal, something professional, something that's cooler than at Hotmail or at AOL.com, um, something that creates an identity for your business, your blog, your portfolio, your resume, what, whatever it is you want you at your domain name.com. And so a domain email from Hover is one of those great things that you can get. And then you can have that forever as as your email address so that if you switch away from different providers, it doesn't matter. You've got an email address that, that goes with you. And they even have at Hover email forwarding, so just $5. So if you want to keep using the, the Gmail account or whatever that you have, that's fine. Um, but you can forge your domain, your info from Hover so that you know that you always have uh, a domain that, that you can go back to and use email from there. And so, David, this is this is one for you. Um, when you sign up for Hover, <laughs> you can get 10% off your first purchase by using the coupon code. Gosh, there was this character in Star Wars. I know he's your favorite. What was his name? Oh, Jar Jar. That's uh, J-A-R-J-A-R. So go to Hover.com. Pick up whatever you want, and if it's your first purchase, you can save 10% off using coupon code JARJAR. And thanks to Hover for supporting Mac Power users in 5x5. Five five. I, I can hear you smirking right now. I can I'm hear sorry, it in your I, voice. I have no idea who might have sent Hover suggestions for coupon codes. Don't know. <sighs> okay. It is a great service, um, even if you've used JARJAR to get it. Yeah. Um, but Wally, I know we want to talk a little bit about slideshows, but I know that you wanted to talk and I cut you off before and I'm sorry about that, um, about kind of how every man and woman can, can set this up, how they don't necessarily need to have three 24 inch displays. But, you know, if they're listening to this podcast, they really, really do. Wally says it's okay and you have to have it so you can go justify that purchase. But... <laughs> Wally, what what tips do you have for somebody, you know, you've, you've said just get out there, just start shooting the video, but um, what's a good starter kit or a starter setup for this? How do you get started? Okay, so let's let's just assume that, that you don't want to spend the $300 and buy Final Cut Pro 10. You might want to do that later if you really get hooked on video and you're having a lot of fun and you're getting a little bit more ambitious. But let's say you're not going to do that. But you do have a, a decent Mac, so you've got a nice MacBook Pro or a, uh, an iMac. And you've done, if you've shot that footage that I mentioned because you did bother to press the button and get some footage well. Really easy way to make a polished video is just go into iMovie and try out the trailers feature. Trailers is wonderful. Um, Apple will give you wonderful little templates and they're complete with titles, transitions, special effects, and music. And all you have to do is take your own video clips, drop them into the placeholders, and then save out a movie. And they're really hilarious, and they're so professionally done, you will absolutely amaze your friends. They're going to think you're a genius. So try the trailers feature in iMovie. Wonderful. Um, I know I, I, I often teach some video classes, and people tell me that some of the reasons they don't shoot video more often, one of them is because they think their camera equipment isn't good enough or... Um, 
they don't know anything about editing, so they don't know where to start. So on the camera part, I'll just say, really, don't worry about the camera at all. It doesn't matter what you have. Uh, just shoot with it, whether it's your iPhone or your iPad or you've gone out and bought a camera. Just do it. Later on, if you discover you like shooting video and you want to make more videos and you want to do more of it, you can always buy another camera. In, in fact, some of my favorite videos I shot years ago, they're family videos, and I shot them years ago with an old standard def clunker of a camera, just this big, unwieldy beast, and the quality of the footage isn't really that great. But I watch those videos now, and they bring back so many wonderful memories uh, that they're really treasured keepsakes. So, you know, the, the camera doesn't make it. It's just what you put into those videos and what they mean to you uh, that make them special. Uh, another thing people say is, you know, I, I don't know anything about editing. And I'm going to tell you something that may, may surprise you. I will contend that most of us, most people are already highly skilled video editors. They're already editors. Just think about it a bit. We've all been watching uh, movies and TV shows and commercials since we were about, what, two years old? And remember, these are all polished productions. So this is already ingrained in our brains. We, we've all already got some kind of instinct for how images flow together. Uh, someone in one of my classes once said to me, I want to learn how to be more creative. Well, uh, it's, it's hard to teach creativity, but there are some exercises that I can recommend that anybody can do to kind of get the hang of video editing. So try this. Go home, turn on PBS or the Discovery Channel, and watch a documentary. Here's the trick, though. First of all, turn off the sound on your TV and just watch it silent. And you'll be amazed that without the music and the sound effects and the narration, which really just distract you from the video, you will get a real sense for how the program was actually shot and edited. So try that. It's, it's a lot of fun to do that. So I don't think it's the equipment. Uh, I don't think it's the editing skill um, as much as wanting to do it and just enjoying the process. And once you do it a second time, well, gosh, it's a lot easier than the first time. And the third is easier than the second. And, and on you go. And you'll be buying Final Cut 10 and buying more monitors before you know it. I'm going to add a neophyte tip to this because in my family, everybody thinks that I'm this great video guy because, you know, I'm a I'm a nerd and I like to play with my computer is what it comes down to. But uh, one of my tricks is we'll go to a family event. I won't do a multicam. I'll just shoot a bunch of video with my phone. Some of it will be slow-mo. Some of it will be regular speed. Just fun things of different people. You stick it into iMovie or Final Cut. And you, you strip all the audio out of it and you just put a song, you pick like a two minute song and you just string all those clips together and you spit it out as a movie and you put a song that everybody likes 
and they think that you're brilliant and it's really not that hard because a lot of the times I think that the fallback or the, the problem with some of this video is that the audio is poor. You know, you're shooting outside and you hear the wind or whatever the problem is. Just put a really great song behind it and clip some clip it together because I, I do think that's one of the hangups with people. Why do your friends not shoot video, Wally? I think one of the reasons is because they don't know what to do with it. They know they're going to shoot the video, but then it's just going to sit on their phone. Uh, you can edit it together very quickly, even on the iPad and the iPhone now. There was a there was a really great video that I just saw a few days ago of a guy in the airport and I in Las Vegas and he did the Celine Dion song. Yes, that was yes, fantastic. He was, like, he was stuck in an airport for a couple hours and he made a video of himself and he put like he put his and he used his iPhone and he put the iPhone on the handles of the I guess it wouldn't be what do you call it? It's not an escalator. It moves uh, sideways. Yeah, it doesn't moving, go up and, moving sidewalk and he used the luggage cart and a few other things. Uh, yeah, the guy was just amazing. Yeah. So I think that's a, a good way to kind of get yourself through that that hump as well. You know, I, I, I agree with together. you. Just a, a just it. a little bit of wonderful music behind some um, captivating pictures. Maybe my favorite kind of travel video that I do when I when I travel, I try to um, find some music that's um, that reminds me of the place I went and the things I did, and I use that as the backdrop to my videos. And it's really evocative. It's wonderful. And then go a little bit farther. Get some sound effects, either an iMovie or Final Cut. Or you can download some sound effects, too. Put those sound effects in there. A little bit of, uh, say, bird noises or water or traffic or whatever it is. And that, again, that adds so much to the the video you make. And it, it just gives it a, a professional kind of air. And, uh, and another power tip there is your edit points. If you've got a good song and there's distinct edit, you know, points in the song where they switch the verse or there's a drum beat or something uh, making your cut right on that edit point, And it's very easy when you can see the wave file uh, is it makes it look, it just gives it a nice kind of touch of professionalism. The people watching it may not even realize why they like it so much, but when you get those edit points, it really helps. And the way I learned that was frankly making those uh, trailers that, that Apple has built into iMovie because the first thing I noticed was, boy, they just nail every part in the song they nail the video edit point there and that's how i figured that out and if you're doing that in in final cut 10 and if you look at the waveform a, a very subtle thing you probably want to make that edit maybe two or three frames just before the peak uh and then it sounds more natural if you cut it right on the peak it doesn't quite sound right so sometimes i will really fiddle just moving it frame by frame until i find the right spot to to cut on the beat but that that's a great tip david yeah i agree with that one i didn't know that so you you put it just a little bit before just a hair before okay well now i'm gonna do that but you've got a musical ear so you know you you would probably listen and play it back a couple of times until you think it's natural you see the transition of the uh picture along with the change in the sound so again whatever Whatever feels natural to you, it, it's more a matter of feel than um, uh, hard and fast rules or rules of thumb. Just feel for it. And once you find that spot, that's the right one. Our final sponsor today is the Omni Group. And I'm so pleased to be talking about OmniFocus 2 for the Mac. I'm still in my honeymoon phase. Uh, I've talked about this app recently. I'm going to talk about it again because they've just done such a great job. OmniFocus 2 
is better than ever. It's got a standard version now that you can get into for just $39.99 and a pro version for $79.99, which was the same price as OmniFocus One in the past. Now, we know users sometimes get caught up in everything OmniFocus One could do, and they never felt comfortable uh, or settled in for the long haul. So they've now got it set up with standard and pro versions, and it just depends on what you need. Either one is just a fantastic application. It includes the OmniSync service that allows you to keep your OmniFocus tasks synced between all devices. And it's got the mail drop service now, so you can just email a task to your magic email address and it lands in OmniFocus. And they've got this awesome new forecast view. And I just I just love this. So every evening, I've gotten the habit now on my Mac of just looking at the next day or two, and it shows by the defer date what tasks are going to become available. And I know if I'm heading for troubled waters or not. And it allows me to move those tasks if I need to, so I can wake up in the morning with a fresh start and just get going. It's also easier than ever to review your projects. It's got a nice little sidebar down the side. In fact, Katie, I just did a post at Max Barkey this week about my perspectives, which is one of the features in OmniFocus. And a lot of people are checking that out. I think you should, too. Uh, You can go there, and I've got all these great custom perspectives that allow me to see my task list in the way that I define. Now, if you're looking for some help getting started, uh, they've got uh, OmniFocus has got some support short videos they shot just with the OmniFocus 2 new interface on their website. They've also created a whole new website called Inside OmniFocus, where they've got tips from people who use the application every day, including yours truly, uh, that allows you to do some work with that. Uh, one of my favorite custom perspectives that I added and recently in this post is my clear perspective. And that allows me to see everything that's available today without respect to what project it's in. And this is a great way to kind of clear out the day. Once in a while, I'll be working and getting by just fine. And then somebody calls me and there's something on fire and I have to drop everything. Well, I can go into that clear perspective and very quickly figure out Uh, what I can push off and what absolutely has to get done today. And once I go through that process, then my OmniFocus is right on for me for the rest of the day. I really love this application. I love what they've been doing with it over the last couple of years. It just gets more and more useful and easier to get into. If you've been waiting to try it, now's the time. Go check it out at theomnigroup.com. So, Wally, I know we're we're kind of heading up on our time limit here, but I, I can't let you go without talking a little bit about video slideshows, because I know we've talked this whole show about shooting video and people need to, you know, not, you know, get more comfortable shooting video. But there are a lot of us out there who, before we've listened to you and, and took your advice and started shooting a lot of video, we've got some really great pictures uh, and we want to do something with those. And you gave a great presentation um, this year at, at Macworld and, and you actually reprised it for me um, at my local mug about creating these video montage slideshows uh, out of still pictures that, that you almost forget that you're watching still pictures and you think that you're watching a movie. So can you maybe talk briefly about you know, creating those and and some of the options available for doing that and getting the optimal experience? Sure. Um, Yeah, actually, slideshows, um, we we talked about people wanting to get into video. Well, slideshows are kind of getting into video without actually shooting video, because what you do is you take all of the great photos that everybody has and you showcase them you add some music to them, you add some movement to them, you put in some fancy transitions, 
And like David said, you find the right music, and if it really works with the pictures, you end up with a slideshow that has a lot of the stylistic kind of touches from video. So these aren't the kind of shows you used to do where you just click the button and change the slide and click the button and change the slide. These are actually dynamic, moving picture kind of slideshows. Um, I remember, for example, when I, I got my first digital camera, it was about 10 years ago. I was so excited. Um, I went out in my backyard every day and I took pictures of birds and flowers and plants. And, and then I got the idea that, hey, wait a minute, I can make a slideshow of all the things happening in the garden in every season spring and summer and fall and winter. So I kept shooting photos for a whole year. Of course, I had to do it a second year so I could uh, take all the shots that I missed the first time around. Um, and back then, I, I got a copy of Photo Magico. I think it was version number two. And that program is still around. It's up to version number four, and it's absolutely the very best program that you can get for doing slideshows. Anyway, back then, I picked out some really good music. And no, I didn't use Vivaldi's Four Seasons. I found other music. And I made some really, really nice anim animated slideshows. So that was my first experience. And since then, I've made a lot more shows. Uh, for example, if you travel, I'm sure you come back with some fantastic photos, some precious memories. Well, Slideshows are really a wonderful, wonderful way to share that those adventures with your family and your friends. Um, recently, I just made a slideshow that uh, was shown at a as a tribute at a memorial service. I, I know you've done one too, Katie, and our friend Allison recently uh, did one for her mother. And I, I, I can think of a lot of other occasions where slideshows would work really well. Uh, weddings, graduations, uh, family get-togethers, Sparks barbecues, and so on. So um, slideshows are great, and I, I've got to give a real plug to the um, Ken Burns effect because that's what makes slideshows so special. Um, it's that ability to uh, move the camera over the image and slowly pan and zoom and make transitions and combine it with the music and maybe sound effects and narrations. And it, it really makes your slideshow as much a video. In fact, uh, when you export your slideshow from a program like um, Photo Magico, you end up with a movie file that you can put right in um, uh, iTunes, or you could post it on YouTube or use it in a whole lot of different ways. Yeah. Now, I've just got to give a plug to uh, to Photo Magico because there are a number of ways that you can do these slideshows. iPhoto has a built-in slideshow feature. Aperture has a built-in slideshow feature. And I've done these slideshows before with these programs. In fact, the very first way that I did these when I wanted to do custom slideshows um, is I imported a bunch of movies into iMovie back when you had the custom timeline in the original iMovie. And that was that was how I originally did them. Um, and, and Apple slowly moved that functionality out. And now you can do an iPhoto and Aperture. But you just don't get the custom fine-grained control. I mean, if you're doing something quickly and you just need to get something out, yeah, th those will work for you in a pinch. But if you can spend a little bit more time and a little bit more money to get something like Photo Magico, you're you're going to be able to have precision point um, 
you know, the ability to change the zoom and to say, okay, I know I really want to start here and then I want to pan across the photo, but not quite that far because there's stuff I don't need over on the edge or, you know, really create these visual effects. I know you were showing us a slideshow that you did of a, of a hot air balloon festival where you were able to merge multiple photos together in Photo Magico and, and make it appear like this, these were all still images, but this balloon was, was rising up in the sky kind of over your shoulder. And th- that's just not the type of fine grain control that you, you get with an app like, like iPhoto or Aperture. I, I have shamed so many wedding photographers with Photo Magico shows, you know, with the family. Every time someone gets married that we know or are related to, they ask me to do the Photo Magico slideshow. They don't know I'm doing it in Photo Magico. And so I always do the wedding, you know, slideshow and the advantage of doing it is i i'm allowed to dictate that it's short (laughs) because sometimes they're too long and then the other thing i always do because it's all set up in photo magic i've got my mac in the trunk and i always at the at the wedding ceremony take a nice shot right down the aisle while they're kissing or holding under the altar and you never tell the bride and groom this but you know they think they've seen all the pictures in the slideshow and then at the end you just fade into that picture of them at the altar and everybody just gushes and then the actual wedding photographer just goes in the corner and cries in shame. Right. And and you know how much the wedding photographers charge to do yeah, something? Yeah, I It's crazy. Like that? It's just ridiculous. We just, we just had an engagement in the family two weeks ago. And uh, they've already called me and said, will you please do our uh, our video show? Wow. For a small fee. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really. D- depending on how, you know. It, it really lets you be as creative as you want to be. And, it, and in the end, you you. As you said, you you look like a genius with all these wonderful effects, and and you kind of uh, look back and and you know very well that Photomagico did it for you. But hey, what the heck? Why not take some credit for it too? It's really wonderful. Yeah, there's there's no need to tell people that. No, just yeah, I spent hours hours is what I spent on this. Yeah, e- even a simple thing in um, iPhoto or Aperture. Uh, let's say you want to put a title on your slideshow. Well, guess what? You can't move your title anywhere. It just sits there in the middle of the screen. No matter what you do, you can't move it. Of course, in Photo Magical, you can animate it, you can make it spin, you can move it left or right or up and down, get bigger or smaller, you can do whatever you want. It's just wonderful. Anyway, it it's, costs about $100 for Photo Magico, but uh, if you ask me, worth every nickel. Yeah, and that that app is another one by a really dedicated small group of developers, Oliver and the gang over at Boinks. Uh, they're in uh, Bavaria, I believe, over in Germany, and uh, just a it's a it's a quality company. I never hesitate to spend money with them because I know they're going to really deliver something. Uh, Wally, on this video theme, uh, we 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 covered some kind of big topics, but I bet you've got a couple good app suggestions for people out there getting into video that they may not be aware of. Why don't you share a couple of those tips with us real quick? Okay. Um, well, I did talk about QuickTime Pro 7. Uh, that's invaluable. Just great. Um, quite often, I have to... Um, transcode a video, in other words, uh, convert it from one format into another, or I want to change some settings and put it on a YouTube or something. So there's a wonderful free app called MPEG Stream Clip, and it lets you uh, do a lot of those conversions really easily. Even if you don't know a lot about the settings, there's some automatic settings that it'll give you that uh, lets you do the job really well. 
Um, and there's another one along the same line. It's not free, but it only costs about $8, I think. It's from uh, Reggie Ashworth, and it's called VidConvert. And also, again, does a really nice job uh, converting formats. And uh, with some of these tools, unlike Compressor, which really works with Apple formats, um, you can work with other formats too. For example, AVI format, which um, Apple doesn't give you, but with these other um, programs, you actually can. Um, there's another neat one I use to, uh, sometimes you want to grab a still image from your video clip. So you've shot a video and you look at it and you say, wow, that's a fantastic moment where something happened. I wish I had taken a picture. Well, you can because you can go into that video and you can grab a still frame from it. Now, you can do that in QuickTime Pro version 7. Um, and if you think about it, if you shot a, a 1920 by 1080 video, well, if you do the math, then a still image is, a still image is going to be about I think 2.1 megapixels. So it's really quite good. And uh, a program I used to do that is something called Snap Motion. Snap Motion, it's all one word. I think it costs about $4, and I think it's on the Mac App Store. So a really good one to get. And I'll only mention one other in video, at least, and it's another free one. It's called iMedia HUD, and HUD is H-U-D for heads-up display. iMedia HUD, it's freeware, and it's really useful uh, for dropping a video clip onto it. It'll tell you all the parameters. It'll tell you the resolution and the frame rate and a whole lot of other uh, information that you just can't get um, by looking at that video clip in any other way. So. Um, I, I really recommend that. So th those are just four of them. Now, I, hasn't iMedia HUD hasn't, been around like a really long time? It has been around, and there's there are other programs like it. But since it's free, and I really like the user interface, seems to work really nicely. So it, it's a keeper. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about it. I I used to have that app, and I have not had it installed for some time. I may have to go and check it out again. Yeah. So you know, I I mean, I could talk about. Uh, apps for another hour and and I, I don't think we really want to do that but i i tend to i, I really enjoy buying apps and trying them out just for fun because uh, i i like to see what creative people can do in, in the mac space and i remember um first time i went to mac world um or at least the first time they had something called the appaloosa at mac world and that's that tiny town where the ios developers have their small displays so I would go and talk to them, and, and all of these people would be so happy to describe their app, and they were so proud of it, and they wanted to tell you all about it. So I'd ask them, well, how much does it cost? And they'd say, well, it's 99 cents or $1.99. So I would just buy it right on the spot. And, and there's so many uh, of these kinds of apps, and I enjoy them, and I use them every day. Um and I now I think I'm just running out of room for all the wonderful apps on my devices. So I think I need something like a 512 gigabyte iPad or something like that. Anyway. Well, you know, at some point, Apple will take care of you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah please, Apple. <laughs> quick. It'll just be an extra hundred dollars for every, you know, couple gigs there. <laughs> so so on picks, I, I'm just going to have one one pick and um, I it's a very simple one, and I want to put in a big plug 
just for podcasts and audiobooks. Uh, and, and I'll tell you why I do that. I, I love to ride my bicycle here in the summer, and I try to go out every day for maybe an hour or two on the bike. And I used to, used to listen to music all the time, but nowadays I really enjoy podcasts and audiobooks so much more. And there's so many good ones out there. Um, and you'll you'll be really happy to know that Mac Power Users is one of my favorites. Um, I also listen to Mac Break Weekly, the Mac Roundtable, the Mac Geek Cab, Mac Voices, the British Mac Show, the Nocilla Cast, and a few others. So um, in the summer, at least, I get pretty well caught up with podcasts when the weather is nice. Though I live in Canada, and uh, we also have something called winter. So, unfortunately, I tend to get a little bit behind again when it's cold. But um, anyway, when I'm on the bike and I'm listening to the podcast, my favorite device to carry with me, it's the old iPad Nano. You remember the one, that the little square one that looked like the iPod Shuffle? It was great. Yeah. Um, you could clip it onto your shirt and, and away you go. And I still have it. I still use it every day. And I also have one of the newer Nanos. And both of them are small and they're light and they're really easy to slip into a pocket or uh, put onto your armband. So uh, just a great activity in the summer, no matter what you're doing, going for a walk, going to a jog, going for a jog or a nice long, long bike ride. Podcasts and audiobooks. Don't leave home without them. All right. I think a lot of us are in there with you, Wally. We like the podcasts and audiobooks. Um Wally, thank you so much for joining us. Where can we find all of your awesome videos? How can people find you? Well, I don't have a domain name. Maybe I should go to Hover and do that. However, um, if you go to YouTube, I have a YouTube channel. You can search for me there at Wally Cherwinski, and you'll find me. Or I think my YouTube handle is WSKI55. And all of the stuff I've shot and edited at Macworld over the years and at Cirque du Mac and, and a few other things, including um, some of those little um, photo magical examples that you talked about, Katie, uh, they're all on my YouTube channel. Um, I'm on Twitter at uh, my handle is WA11 underscore Y. So it sort of looks like a Wally. Um, I write a video column every month in Don McAllister's wonderful Screencast Online monthly magazine, as do you and Katie. And it's just a wonderful product. I'm amazed at all of the things that Don manages to produce all at once. He's truly a marvel. Um, yeah, and that's about it. Well, and I would like to challenge the listeners out there that, and you know who you are, you're listening to the show thinking, man, that might be kind of fun to try a multi-camera shoot or some of these techniques. It really is not that hard. Just give it a shot. I think you'll make some great video. I want to thank our sponsors for the show, Stack Social, Hover, Omni Group, and Squarespace. And Katie, where can you find us? Well, you can find links to everything that we talked about in this episode. Thanks to JT for putting that together at our website on MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU slash 199 for this episode. Yeah. Next wow. next week is the 200th episode. It's going to be great. It I is, missed it, it by one. Oh, well. How, 
I was thinking I might just, to celebrate, I just might do the show with no pants on. Please don't. <laughs> and uh, Anyway, uh, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, the show is at MacPowerUsers. I'm at Katie Floyd, and David is at Max Sparky. And please tweet him and tell him to wear pants. Kate, Katie, are you blushing? Nope, moving on. <laughs> okay. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next time. And thanks, Wally, for bringing us another great episode of the Mac Power Users. See you all next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.